Welcome to the Employco HR Podcast. My name is Rob Wilson, and with me is my partner and uh, younger brother, Scott Wilson. Hello. And uh, our Vice President of HR, Jason Eisenhut. Hi, everyone. And working the board, Nikki Navarro, trying to make it sound good. Does a great job. So this uh, this uh, this week's topic or this month's topic is uh, is 2020 benefit planning with uh, being November and you're uh, uh, getting ready to do open enrollment in the next month. A lot of majority of plans across the country are renewing December 1st, January 1st, probably the biggest renewal date, January 1st. We thought a, a good topic would be as you're planning for those benefits, how to make changes and really maximize your uh, your benefit plan for 2020. So. Jason, our history buff of the uh, of the uh, podcast team, tell us a little bit about the introduction of uh, of healthcare. I'm going to queue up the old footage. There you go, Jason. It all started back in 1929. Uh, no, actually, it did. Uh, right around the Great Depression, uh, Baylor University had come up with an idea. Because of the Great Depression, they were worried about lost revenue, and um, and people were worried about access to healthcare because they didn't have money. So Baylor University started a program where their 1,300 employees could pay 50 cents a month or $6 a year, how cheap is that, for access to hospital stays, 21 free days in the hospital. All they had to pay is 50 cents a month, and you're prepaying for 21 days in the hospital. But in the 20s, they did use leeches, though. So I mean, it's not <laughs> right. like you're getting a lot for that 50 cents. And, so. and that $6, I mean, that doesn't even cover a month of taxes right. in healthcare now. Right. When you think of yeah. there's so many taxes embedded, it's like gasoline. You don't know how many taxes are in there. But in the with the ACA, there's a whole bunch of taxes in, the, in your premium, definitely more than $6. Yes. So because it was so inexpensive, that it grew in popularity beyond anyone's imagination, and it was later formalized in the 1930s as Blue Cross, as kind of semi as we know them today. Around the same time in late 1930s, a group of doctors in California formed their own group and called it uh, Blue Shield. And then just about 30 years ago, Blue Cross and Blue Shield formed in 1982 to form the company we, we know of today. Um, so that was the start of the health insurance as we know it today. Group benefits from employers Started around World War II in the 1940s. Uh, President Roosevelt froze wages in 1942. So as a way of trying to help the recruitment and retention efforts, employers started designing benefit programs to give to their employees. And around the same time, the IRS said, well, we won't tax uh, health insurance. So it'll be a good good benefit for employers. So in 1940, before all this started, there was only 9% of Americans having health insurance to 10 years later, 1950, that 9% grew to 50%. So 1950, 50% of Americans had health insurance. Wow. That's some great uh, great trivia. So now when, when our listeners, any one of you, you're at a cocktail party next weekend and you need some Put your useless spouse to sleep. Someone to chase some away. I bet you don't know the history of health insurance. <laughs> they turn around and off they go. So you could thank us. So. Some good trivia, Jason. So now you look at the plan, uh, your, your current plan design. Uh, your benefit offerings at your business. Uh, one of the first things to do, I think, now, uh, and are we almost late to the game right now to start talking about surveys, uh, surveying your employees of what they want? Yeah, I, at this point, you're kind of strategizing what's best. How, how do we formulate our plans for 2020? You're probably already locked into kind of the style plans that you're having. Maybe you're going to manipulate company versus employee cost, but it's probably a little bit late in the game to look at which plans are offered and the style plans. Um, but maybe spring, summer, you take a look at, are we offering the right types of benefit plans? Not just health insurance, but are we offering uh, some other unique plans that are different? So millennials, for example, might 
prefer a different plan that will help them with college education, whereas older workers might prefer prefer a higher company contribution on their four. Scott, are you raising your hand? Yeah. So my question is, so <laughs> say you're a small business owner and you're a new small business owner. What's the turnaround time as far as like getting a quote? So for is health it- insurance, it's pretty easy. If you have under 50 employees, you can get ready to go off the shelf. You don't need to go through underwriting. So those probably are even very quick, maybe three weeks. You could probably turn around a new health insurance plan pretty quickly. Okay, so it's not too late for the end of the year if someone... Is new to health insurance, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And, and obviously, we at Employco have a series of benefit plans that are ready to go. You can contact us just a few weeks prior, and ours are large group, really good premiums. But if you're trying to go on your own, then try and give yourself a little bit more time. Sure. Um, so yeah, as you're evaluating what should we offer, also evaluate the plans that you're offering compared to others in the industry, others across the United States. The worst thing kind of it you want is you think you're offering competitive benefit plans and rates, but you're below market or competitors are offering better plans and better premiums. So that might hurt your attraction. And they want more choices too, right? Exactly. And that's the key part when you look at your, your recruiting today, the, the, Unemployment's at three point six percent. Your your really you know, uh, benefits are a key part of your recruiting tool. You really want to make sure that what you're offering, the plan design as well as what the employer pays, is competitive in the marketplace. Right. So uh, you know when you look at uh, at health insurance, then you want to uh, you want to offer more more choices. Ideally, you want to offer multiple plans. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a, a it's a reverse trend actually we're seeing. So over the last five years or so, we are seeing more and more companies limit or narrow down the number of choices. They thought it was either just too confusing for employees. Let's just offer one plan, make it a high deductible health plan. We've heard that's a good way of saving money. Um, and now what we're seeing, especially in the last year, that's reversing course and employers are going back to offering still the high deductible plan. It's still a good choice, but joining it, putting it back in a PPO or an HMO to give people more choice to what maybe they're more comfortable with. Right, and then, and as you were saying earlier too, wellness plans are another uh, issue that people are asking about in the recent recent years. So they're more interested in getting, and it's better for the program if people are healthier, their premiums are lower, they have less claims in theory. And uh, you're right. So for years, uh, large companies had wellness plans because most large companies are self insured, and so the smaller companies looked at it saying, "Well, wellness plans, uh, you know, it's not really going to help me," but. Really, it's a grassroots level of the employees saying, we want wellness programs. You know, regardless of what health plan I'm on, I want to be healthier. Sure. So and I think that that has really changed. And, and then, Sorry, and Brad was saying that uh, you've seen clients come to us or potential clients come up by having like 15 to 20% increases. Right? Right, on the health care premium. So the more, you know, whether it's a wellness program, uh, us buying in volume, you know, when you look at... You know, across they 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 say the increases is uh, high single digits this year in renewals, but we've run into a, a number of prospects that are are getting fifteen, seventeen, nineteen, twenty two percent renewals. So, you've got to look at how can you lower those premiums. And so, you know, a wellness is a long term one. Your employees want it. Your millennials want to be healthier. You're you're seeing, you know, for example, in in diets, you're seeing the the diets change. People drinking more water, less soda. You know, there's a, a lot of a lot of changes in lifestyles. Yeah, and wellness. Even if you have a small group plan where you're not as worried about the fully insured rates, it's still a good thing to do from a just a, a good idea. But it also it it helps productivity and absenteeism. So it's it's a wellness programs are whether or not it's a walking challenge and you've got fun competitions and teams competing against each other. Wellness programs are never a bad thing to offer. Um, but when you do have the kind of the benefit plans established. 
uh, one thing we really recommend, whether or not it's a wellness program or just your regular benefit programs, over edu or over educate and over communicate. And, and that's, I, I think that goes back to, too, when you look at the health savings accounts. Uh, a challenge with health saving, the HSA's health saving accounts was the lack of education to the employees or consumers makes it uh, a, a case they don't understand it. So you really have to, uh, and they were big, even when the ACA came in, HSA's were big, but you're getting a little bit of backlash with them now because, you know, your, you know, your prescription cards, which are heavily used now, Right. Don't come under your traditional plans because of an HSA, it's a high deductible. But mm -hmm. uh, your member ed education is super important no matter what you're doing, whether it's wellness plan, the different plan designs, how to use your prescription cards, you know, mail versus non-mail order down to your emergency room. And that I know you had said it's uh, we're late in the game for surveys, but that's a great educational thing, that doing the point. survey. Did you know that with your HSA you could do this, yes or no? What would you expect? You know, things like that. So surveys are, I'm a big fan of surveys. Along the same lines of the education communication for open enrollment, as you're going through that, maybe the two to three win week window when employees can decide what benefit plans they want for the next year, uh, we recommend varying the communication methods. Maybe send some emails out, maybe some home mailings out so family members can see the communication. Offer conference calls if people are spread across multiple locations. Vary the communication methods. Provide examples. So this is how a person in a high deductible plan would go through a sick visit and a prescription drug visit, walk through examples and scenarios so they can see how it in real life, how it would play out with claims and, and coverage. So much more variety of communication than in the past. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so, and if you want to, one of the, we recorded a podcast a little over a year ago on keeping healthcare costs down. Podcast plug. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, people have it in their library. You haven't deleted it. So right. it's, yeah. uh, it's from July. Ready of, the fingertips. July of uh, 2018. But if you want to reference it, we, go, we went through a lot of strategies about a year ago to how to keep your healthcare costs down as a business. It's still, most of them are applicable today. Uh, so it's a, it's a great thing to reference. And you can let us know if you don't, can't find that copy of the podcast easily hrdemployco.com, and we'll help you out. Jason knows exactly where it's at. <laughs> yep. He listens to him in his car all the time on the way home. <laughs> oh, I nailed it, it there. <laughs> <laughs> so Affordable Care Act, it's uh, uh, President Trump has made a variety of changes over the years, but uh, at the end of the day, the Republicans weren't able to, uh, they were able to you know, delete parts of it, but uh, ACA is still here. So what, what changes happened for 2020? So the biggest thing for employers to uh, be aware of is the affordability percentage or threshold has gone down. So instead of it, it's currently 9.86% in 2019. It's going to down to 9.78% next year. So what that means is uh, an employee of a company who has at least 50 employees, so if you're a larger employer, you're offering health insurance to your employees, it must be affordable or you as a company could be penalized. So to determine if it was affordable coverage for your employees, you can't charge them more than 9.78% of their pay on the cheapest plans employee-only option. So if you're charging them $300 a month for all of your medical plans, the chances, and it's someone earning 12 bucks an hour, chances are it's unaffordable, and you may be penalized if that person goes to the market and gets health insurance elsewhere. Right. And the way they do get you, too, is that you do have to file that 10, uh, 1095 form. So that is required still. Right. And a lot of companies think they don't because of the, the unfolding of various parts of the Affordable Care Act. For example, as an individual that is not part of a group, you no longer have to have 
a ACA compliant health plan. You can you can buy a MECA, you can buy a short term policy, uh, you know, but there are parts of the ACA that are still in force, and the 10, 1095 is uh, is definitely still in force. So that 1095, if you're not aware, that's the, the home mailing, almost like a W-2 form employers have to do once a year. It's a home mailing to say which months the employer was covered, which months the employer was offered coverage. So that's still required if you're a large employer with 50 employees or more. You still have to do that, that home mailing, the 1095. Yep. So with the last uh, couple minutes we have as we try and not uh, be too long-winded in, the, uh, in, in our podcasts, as much as uh, as much as Scott likes talking, and I do like to, talking. And <laughs> if I could work the stopwatch, there we go. So uh, let's talk about non-traditional benefits, retirement plans. Uh, you know, some a, a big change in the Illinois law here. Yeah. So for employers in our home state, Illinois, uh, don't forget there's a new law or newer law called Illinois Secure Choice. So if you have 25 employees or more, and you're an employer in Illinois, you have to offer those employees in Illinois a retirement plan. If you already offer one like a 401k or 403b, you've already satisfied the requirement. Uh, we've had a lot of clients come to us who weren't already offering a retirement plan, wanting to jump on our big master 401k plan because it's ready to go and we do all the work. Uh, but if you don't offer one, you have to either offer the Illinois Secure Choice or it's get one model. on your own. Yep. yep. Um, some other non-traditional benefits that we're seeing pick up, um, student loan repayment, as I mentioned before, millennials are... Uh, taking up a larger and larger percentage of the workforce, and they have such a large student debt that uh, they would appreciate the help from an employer paying down their student debt. And that's so we we've offered that benefit through a company called Peanut Butter. Mm-hmm. So you can uh, you can help your uh, millennials or really any age. I mean, not to say just millennials have. Sure. I mean, you know, everyone's had student college debt helps pay that down. And uh, it helps it, retention, yeah. too. It's a great program. Uh, interesting statistic, 91% of employees at small to medium-sized companies view non-traditional benefits, so your flex time, expanded time off, working remotely, as important as job satisfaction. Yeah, that was surprising. Yeah, I, the it, it's, it's becoming more and more a bigger part of organizations to offer these customized or employees the option of kind of a variance of different type of benefit plans, traditional and non-traditional. Mm-hmm. And, a, and another unique type of non-traditional benefit we're seeing actually pick up more and more is related to pets. So we've offered pet insurance as part of our uh, master group of benefit plans for a long time now. Oh, at least 10 years, I would think. Right. Yeah, when we first started offering it, everyone was like, pet insurance? Who the hell is going to buy pet insurance? And, you know, we've got a ton of our clients yeah. and employees that buy, uh, buy pet insurance. But so this is, uh, tell us about the, the other benefits. This is kind of interesting, Jason. Yeah, so it's picking up some steam. So another way to differentiate yourself in this hard labor market, uh, some employers more and more frequently are offering pet leave of absence. So if you're... you're so paternity? Yeah, yeah. So if you're, if you're adopting <laughs> wow. a pet, yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, so this is going to work out great for the cat lady who has like <laughs> adopts like sixteen <laughs> cats. Yeah, you know, it's like she'd love it. Another week off, <laughs> hooker for life. Yeah. Uh, so in addition to pet uh, leave of absence or paternity, yeah, we're also five percent of companies are offering. Yeah, that. isn't that surprising? Oh, wow, that's amazing. That's going to you're going to find that in our uh, suggestion box in, in the <laughs> yeah. lunchroom at Employco. We'll see who listens to the podcast. So in addition to the pet leave of absence, we're also seeing companies offer pet bereavement. And this one probably a little bit more common. So if you lose a pet, a lot of people consider pets almost like a member of the family. So if you lose one, maybe it's uh, a day of pet bereavement compared to maybe the three days of immediate family Mm -hmm. member bereavement. Uh, So companies trying to get creative are offering new different ways. 
Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, you know, with a job market with unemployment at three point six, you've you've got to be creative on your on your benefits because in today's market, you know, benefits, you know, ninety one percent of uh, with non traditional benefits are as, as important job satisfaction. That's right up there with you know when you look at salary. Salary is now not the number one. It's you know it's in the top three or four. Well, and in doing something like that pet bereavement thing, it shows that you care about the employees, and that might be the difference of an employee quitting. And then you having to recruit, having to retrain, loss of time. So it's Paul Eternity is going to be in the Paul suggestion Eternity, box. That's my new my new <laughs> phrase. Yeah. So well, we uh, we're probably out of time. We went a little long on this one, but it's, it's an important topic. topic with uh, with twenty twenty out there. I know uh, Jason, you did an awesome job on. Uh, we're rolling out our benefits to uh, our clients. We renewed our health insurance for twenty twenty with a uh, zero point zero percent increase. So nice to have a flat increase for twenty twenty. That's great. So I was with a couple clients yesterday, and they were they were pretty ex- excited to uh, to see that it uh, it was a zero increase. So, not many clients are uh, are flat when you're seeing uh, you're still seeing a bunch double digits. So, uh, well done, Jason. Yeah, and if you want to find out more about that or have any questions, you can reach us at hr at employco dot com. Our uh, Twitter handle is employco at employco on Twitter. And I think we're on most social medias. Yeah, if you have any questions, let us know. Or if you have any suggestions for future podcast topics, uh, let us know. Love to hear them. Great. Thanks for for listening. We'll we'll have something out uh, in a few weeks for for December. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you.